Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Uh, Psalm 112, I'm going to begin this morning. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm actually going to, I've changed my format just a little bit from what I was going to do this morning. This morning, I'm just going to preach uh, the introduction. Is that all right with y'all? All All right. Uh, I know y'all are looking at me like, what difference does that make? It could still be an hour long, right? Uh, No, I'm just going to preach the introduction to you this morning because as I was filling it out and there was, there's so much that I don't want to rush through this series. So it was going to be three weeks. It's going to be um, at least four weeks now as we go through this stewardship series, but it's going to be taken uh, from right here in Psalm 112, and we're going to read that passage in just uh, a second. But I noticed when I said that I'm going to be preaching a stewardship series, I saw some of you reach for your wallet. Instinctively, you started covering your wallet, right, and making sure that your uh, checkbook, does anybody still carry checkbooks? Uh, make sure that's still in your purse or still in your, in your wallet, because we've been conditioned to become defensive when a preacher starts talking about money, haven't we? Uh, so when a preacher starts talking about money, we start to become defensive. And for that reason, listen, um, I think that you know this about me by now, that for that reason, I, I really don't, I don't really like talking about money. And in fact, probably haven't done a stewardship series per se in several years, at least three years, the last three years, I look back I don't think that I've done a stewardship series in the last three years. However, uh, you you know who doesn't mind talking about money? God. God doesn't mind talking about money. In fact, Jesus talked more about money and about possessions than he talked about heaven and hell combined. Did you know that? Um, In fact, in the Bible, there are about 500 verses in the Bible, in the entirety of the Bible, 500 verses about prayer. There are actually fewer than 500 verses about faith. But you know how many verses there are about money and about possessions? Over 2,000 verses about money and about possessions. I think the exact number is like... 2,325 verses about money. How many would say God cares about money? Amen. Um, one, in fact, in the New Testament, one, this was hard for me to believe myself, but in the New Testament, one in every seven verses in the New Testament is a verse about money or about possessions. It's an important issue, it's an important topic. This, this is a topic about which God has much to say because, and here's why, how we relate to riches and how we manage our money is an important indicator of our faith in God. It says a lot about our relationship with God. In fact, Martin Luther once said that there are, that there are three conversions Uh, that every person must experience. Number one is the conversion of the head. Number two is the conversion of the heart. And number three is the conversion of the pocketbook. (laughs) How many notice that last one that's sometimes 
hard to get by. Actually, Martin Luther's quote is, is a little bit, just mildly misleading uh, because we might infer from that quote that money is the problem, that, uh, that money itself is inherently bad or that money itself is sinful. How many knows that's, that's actually not the case? There's not, there's not Christian money and worldly money. Uh, although I did once hear a joke about um, that suggested $1 bills were more spiritual because they spent more time in church <laughs> than $20 bills. <laughs> Some of y'all get that later. <laughs> At lunch, you'll pull out your wallet and say, oh, I know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, no, there's not Christian money and worldly money. In fact, some people would be surprised uh, to learn that 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 does not say that money is the root of all evil. In fact, what it actually says is this, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It goes on to say, and it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and they have pierced themselves with many pangs. Therefore, the heart of the matter when it comes to money is actually the state of our hearts. It's not money. Money's not the issue. The issue is, is our hearts. Uh, so stewardship is not Stewardship is not merely a financial issue. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that it's not a financial issue. It is a financial issue. But it's not merely a financial issue. Stewardship is a spiritual issue as well. How we relate to money, how we manage money says something about our faith in God and our relationship with him. So to return to Martin Luther's statement, we should understand what it means, what his statement actually means, and his statement actually means that if we are thoroughly converted, that if we've got the real thing, how many want to have the real thing? Amen. If we have a genuine faith in God and we have been thoroughly converted, then how many knows that will include our pocketbooks? as well, how we manage money, how we think about money, and what we do with our money. If our heart belongs to God, then we will honor him with our wealth and the way that we spend money. But if, listen, but if God doesn't have your pocketbook, then God doesn't have your heart either because you're holding something back uh, from, from the Lord. So uh, that's why I believe, now listen, that's why I believe that some financial problems, everybody say some, because I wanted that to be on the recording, all right? <laughs> That's why I believe some financial problems have spiritual origins. Some financial problems have spiritual origins. And, and I wanted to be careful when I say that because I understand how I, I'm aware of how that can be misunderstood. By, by some people. So there's two things that I try to avoid when I'm preaching about money, and those two things are guilt and greed. I try to, when I'm talking about stewardship and talking about money, I try to avoid guilt and greed because I'm not here this morning to condemn anyone. 
I don't want you to misunderstand anything that I say. I'm not, I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to lay guilt on anyone. I don't, want, I don't want anyone to feel guilty about how much money they have or how much money they don't have. I don't want anyone to feel guilty about how much they make, how much they don't make. I don't want to make anyone feel guilty about how much they give or how much they don't give. In fact, remember Jesus when he observed the widow when she gave just a mite, he said what? She has given more than anybody else because she gave out of her what? Poverty, right? And whereas we give out of our abundance sometimes, right? So, so that's not the issue. I'm not trying to lay guilt on anyone uh, here this morning or through this series. And nor am I here to try to convince anyone that, that they should give for the purpose of getting more. Now, I believe, uh, you probably have heard me preach on this before, I believe that's a distortion of biblical stewardship. We don't give for the purpose of getting more in our lives. We'll talk more about that through this series because that actually, how many knows that giving in order to get more, but how many knows that actually preys on what what Paul has warned us about in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, and that is the love of money. If you're only giving because you love money and you want more money in return, then how many knows that's a self-defeating proposition, right? That's not biblical stewardship. That's a distortion of biblical uh, stewardship. So guilt, both guilt and greed are poor motivations for biblical stewardship, they're just, they're insufficient means of motivating us to be good stewards with the resources that God has given to us. They're, in fact, they're, they're insufficient. They're bad motivations because both of them are concerned about the material status of our, of our lives. And Jesus warned us about measuring our life that way. Remember? The life is not about our material goods. It's not about our material status, how much money we've got in the bank or how much we give at, uh, to charity. Jesus said one's life does not consist in the abundance, or we could say the lack thereof, of possessions or money. That's not a good measure for our life. I believe rather than material status, I believe that spiritual maturity is a better standard for biblical stewardship. That mature believers will be better stewards of the resources that God has given to us. So it's a better, spiritual maturity is a better standard for biblical stewardship. And gratitude, rather than guilt and greed, I, I believe that gratitude and generosity are better motivations than guilt or greed. Gratitude for what God has done for us. Generosity, expressing our appreciation for all that God has done for us. That's why I chose Psalm 112 uh, to be the primary text for this mini-series on stewardship that I'm, I'm going to be doing because it actually, this psalm describes, I believe it describes a man or a woman who fears the Lord, a, spiritual, uh, a spiritually mature individual, a man or a woman who fears the Lord 
and it does so in terms that are related to his or her um, wealth and possessions. Okay, so it describes a spiritually mature person and it describes them in relation to their wealth and their possessions. So if you have your Bibles open to Psalm 112, let's read that together this morning. Praise the Lord. How many can say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be, will be blessed. Verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and merciful and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously in lens, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Bible. God, we believe that it's divinely inspired. We believe that God is completely infallible. And so, Lord, through it, you have revealed your will to us, and we believe that if we will obey it, then we will be blessed. We will be that generation of the upright. So, Lord, help us not only to be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word as well. We also believe that your word is alive, that it's active. Therefore, God, we pray that you would use this word today to accomplish your purpose in our life, your purpose in our church. God, I ask that you would anoint me to preach effectively and to clearly communicate the truth that is contained in this passage, God, and in your word related to money. God, I pray that you would teach us to fear you, to delight in your commands so that we might be that generation of the upright whom you have promised to bless. So, Father, we thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, Psalm 112, like I said, <clears throat> I believe it describes a man or a woman. It describes an individual who is a good steward of the wealth, the possessions, the influence that have been given to him or her by God. Look at, look at some of the descriptions that Psalm 112 gives of that kind of person. It says, he is blessed. His offspring will be mighty in the land. Wealth and riches are in his house. His righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in his, in his darkness, in his darkest, darkest moments, the light uh, dawns. He will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. He doesn't get uh, carried away or concerned when the stock market is up or down. He's not moved by those things. Amen. 
So he's not moved to be remembered forever. He's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm and steady. He triumphs over his enemy. He distributes freely and gives to the poor. And his horn, which is a symbol of strength and power, his, his horn is exalted in honor. Moreover, this passage says, contrast that righteous man or woman with a wicked person. And it says that the wicked person looks on this prosperous person. The wicked man looks at this righteous man and he is angry. The wicked is angry. The wicked man gnashes his teeth and he melts away. Now, what does that mean? Why? Why is the wicked man angry at the righteous man? Well, he is obviously envious of his well-being, but, but there's more to it than that. And it's, and it's related to his desire. Did you notice that? The psalm concludes by saying the desire of the wicked will perish. The difference between the righteous man and the wicked man is the desire, the issue of desire. It's, again, it is a heart issue. It's not whether or not the righteous man had more money or more resources than the, the wicked man. How many knows that the upright man in this psalm may not have been more prosperous than, than the wicked man? In fact, the Bible is clear that often the wicked prosper more than the righteous. Do you know that that's true? I said, did you know that that's true? <laughs> of course you know it's true. All you have to do is look around and say, well, Lord, the wicked are doing better off than I am. I'm trying to please you and honor you. And, you know, they just bought a new house. They got a new car. They can do this. They can go on trips. And, and so it seems that the wicked, sometimes the Bible bears that out. It seems that the wicked prosper more than the righteous from time to time. So it's not, again, it's not a measure. It's not a measure of how much or how little the evil man is angry at the righteous man. Why? Because he has obtained the blessing of God, right? And there's no guilt. There's no greed associated with it, right? He's content. God, he has God's blessing in his life. So the issue is the desire of the two men. The wicked man is envious of the righteous man's success because the wicked, here's the key, the wicked always wants more. That's exactly right. The wicked always want more and more and more. That's the desire. The desire is for more and more. John D. Rockefeller lived from 1839 to 1937. And in 1916, he became the first person in the world to reach a nominal personal fortune of $1 billion. Can you imagine that? 1916. One billion dollars. He was the founder, the chairman, and the major shareholder of Standard Oil Company. And by his death, it is estimated that his net worth was $392 billion. Now, that is in uh, 1937 dollars. So if you adjust for inflation, he is often regarded as the richest person in history. The richest person in history. And it's reported that one time Rockefeller was asked about his wealth. And somebody asked him, how much is enough? How, how much 
money is enough. And you know what his response was? More than I have. More than I have. Now listen, I'm not, don't misunderstand me this morning. Again, I know that what I'm saying this morning, is, it, it would be easy to misunderstand the things I'm saying. That's why I want to take the time and go through some of these things in detail. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying Rockefeller was wicked. Uh, I'm not saying that rich people are bad. I'm not saying having a lot of money is bad. I just want to make the point that, that biblical stewardship is not about a desire for more money or possessions. But biblical stewardship is about a desire for God's blessing in my life. I want to honor God with my wealth. Do you see that? Do you see the distinction between the righteous man and the wicked man? The desire of the wicked man is I just want more and more and more. So he resents what the righteous person has because he has obtained it without greed, without guilt. And so he wants what the righteous person has also. He wants more. He's not satisfied in, in his heart. Whereas the biblical model of stewardship is that a person desires to have God's blessing uh, in their life. So in this psalm, now this, this is what I'm going to be talking about over the next three weeks uh, or so. In this psalm, I, I see three stewardship principles that we're going to explore in, in greater detail over the next several weeks. And each one of these principles is illustrated as a relationship or a, or a correlation that I see that exists in the example of the upright man in Psalm 112, a good steward of the resources that God has given to them, okay? So over the next three weeks, I'm going to give them to you this morning, but over the next three weeks, we're going to be fleshing them out, talking about them some more, okay? Number one, the first correlation is this. There is a relationship. There is a relationship between righteousness and prosperity. There is a relationship between righteousness and prosperity. Now listen, <laughs> again, I hesitate to even give that to you this morning because don't, don't jump to conclusions. That doesn't mean, you know, the more righteous I am, the richer I am, the more money that I, that I have. We need, so we need to explain that relationship carefully so that we'll understand what biblical prosperity really is. It includes money, but it's not just about money, amen? But, but there is a relationship between righteousness and prosperity. There's a correlation between, here's, here's where the point, uh, the rubber hits the road if you want to. There is a relationship, there is a correlation between our obedience and God's blessing. When we obey God's word, how many knows, then we reap the benefits of his promises. Amen. We say that again and you say amen, so it's on the recording, all right? <laughs> when we obey God's word, we reap the benefits of his promises, amen? amen? So there is a correlation. You obey God and God blesses you. So the Bible has a lot to say about money and how we relate to money, how we manage money. And, and here's the point. Uh, if, if we obey God's word, what it says about money, how many knows God will bless us and God will prosper us? 
That's the point. There is a relationship between righteousness and, and prosperity. God, God, I believe God desires to bless his people. I hope next week, maybe not next week, but the week after that, I hope to demonstrate that from God's word. God desires to bless his people. That doesn't mean that we're all going to be rich necessarily, but it does mean that God's desire is that we would prosper and that we would be blessed. All right? So we're going to, we'll talk about that relationship between our obedience and God's, uh, God's blessing because God desires to bless us. It's that simple. Doesn't mean he's going to necessarily make us rich, but prosperity Rightly understood, and that's what we're going to do. We'll define it. Prosperity, rightly understood, is a promise that Scripture makes to those who honor and obey God's commands. There it is. There's a relationship between righteousness and blessing, and obedience and prosperity. God wants to bless us, and so we're going to, we're going to talk about that first. Number two, here's the second relationship in this passage Psalm 112, the second correlation. Number two, there is a relationship between God's blessing and our giving. There is a relationship that God, uh, again, don't jump to conclusions here. We're going to take some time. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about biblical giving. And so we're going to talk about uh, what the Bible says about tithes. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about offerings. We're going to Talk about what the Bible says about alms. And we're going to talk about uh, how we should give, when we should give, why we should give, those, those sorts of practical issues. But God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. God, God gives us resources so that we can get those resources to others as well. So there. And Psalm 112 bears that out, that the person, the man, the woman who is blessed by God gives generously. Uh, so there's a relationship between God's blessing and, and our giving. We honor God with our wealth by being obedient to him in our giving. And we demonstrate our gratitude by giving cheerfully to the Lord, not grudgingly. Uh, but we, we give to him cheerfully um, because of what he has done for us. All right? And then number third, three, here's the third relationship in this passage, Psalm 112, the third correlation, if you will. There is a relationship between our generosity and faith in God. Giving, giving is an act of faith. How many knows that? Giving is an act of faith. Um, but, but there are several promises in God's word that are directly related to our giving such that when we give, many times we give by faith uh, to him because we say, Lord, I'm not sure I can afford this. God, I, I'm not sure I want to do this. We give by faith, but when we give by faith, listen, we can trust God to keep his word. Amen? And how many knows it's impossible for us to outgive God? And if we are honoring God with our obedience in, in our giving, then we can claim God's promises. As this psalm says, 
the righteous, the man or the woman who is honoring God in their life, obeying God, giving freely and giving generously, the man or the woman who is honoring God in that way will never be moved. They're not, they're not moved. They're not afraid of bad news. His heart is steady. Why? Because their trust is in God. Because he or she says, God, if I'm, if I'm giving the way that your word instructs me to, and I'm being obedient to do that, then God, my trust and my faith is in you, that you are going to meet my needs. Isn't it, wouldn't it be great to never have to worry about finances again? Amen? Well, that may not be possible that we would never worry about every financial thing in our life, but the but the principle is true that if we're honoring God in our finances, if we're obeying God in our giving, then we can claim God's promises and what he says that he will do for us. Amen? So there is a relationship between our generosity and having faith that God's going to meet my needs and that God's going to take care of me that God's going to provide for me and, and for my family. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about those um, different relationships. We're going to unpack each one of them, and we're going to begin with the relationship that exists between um, righteousness and prosperity, that if we'll obey God, if, if, we'll, if we'll honor God with our, with our wealth, then, then God will cause us to be blessed and calls us to prosper. I, I want to be one of the generation of the upright. Amen. Amen. Because the generation of the upright, those that are honoring God, obeying God, are the ones that God says, I'll bless you. I'll prosper you. The descriptions that uh, are in one, at Psalm 112 are descriptions that can apply to our life as well uh, when, when we're trusting God and honoring God with our wealth. So we're going to talk about that over the next several weeks. But this morning, I'm going to ask Mike, Mike, would you come to the piano? And I want you to bow your head this morning. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer because here's, here's what I want us to do this morning before we're dismissed today. I want us to go back to that last verse of Psalm 112 about desire. Because biblical stewardship is, about, is a heart matter. Biblical stewardship, so much of it can be boiled down to this one question, and it is, what do you want? What is it that you want? A good Christian steward says this. A good Christian steward says, I want to honor God. I want more of Him. Now, the wicked says, I want more money. I want more possessions. I want more stuff. That's, that's not biblical stewardship. The biblical steward says, I want more of you, God. I want what you've got for me. I want your blessing. I want your purpose. I want your plan for my life. We, I mean, those, we make plans, but the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end of that way is what? destruction and death but God has a plan God has a purpose for us and his purpose is to bless us 
His, his purpose is to do good to us, <laughs> to prosper us beyond what we can even imagine He has in store for us. So as we begin this series this morning, I want us to pray and I want us, I want us to say, God, I want you to change my heart and change my desires. Do you believe God's word? Uh, I believe God's word teaches that if we will delight ourselves in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. That doesn't mean he's going to give us everything that we want. I believe that it means he'll give us the right kind of desires. That if we'll delight ourselves in him, he'll give us good desires. I want God to give me the right desires. I want to want what God wants me to want. Amen? And I want that to be your prayer this morning. So bow your head, close your eyes. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.